Hey, before we jump in, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. If you're a woman and you're viewing this this morning or whether you're listening or watching on demand, I want to say thank you. Uh, whether or not you believe it, uh, you have you. a lot of influence on uh, the, the kids in your life. And so I just want to say thank you. I know for my wife, thank you so much for what you've done with Brooke. Your fingerprints are all over her life. And then I also uh, think of my mom and my aunt, who, uh, my aunt, who's my godmother. Thank you so much for the influence you have on my life as well. Believe it or not, more things are caught than taught, and whether you're an uh, adopted mom, a birth mom, a foster care mom, maybe you're a teacher or a coach, or maybe you're even a neighbor, thank you so much for for what you're doing as you have a positive influence on our boys and girls. So hopefully, hopefully you woke up this morning, you had a really good breakfast, you had maybe some gifts were given to you, hopefully you received those this morning. But we're going to jump in. We're going to land the plane this morning on a series called The Bible for Grown-Ups. And so I don't know about you, but I always have a tendency to walk in on Jenny when it's the last five minutes of either a show or a TV, or a TV show or a movie. And it's so fascinating that she's like, just can you not talk? Let me just finish this and then we can talk. So what I want to do is I want to catch us up to where we are and where we're going today. So this series was, is for those who are introduced to the Bible as kids. It's also a series uh, for adults who are introduced to the Bible as adults by adults who are introduced to the Bible as kids. You know, most of us, we know the Bible stories, but I feel like some of us, we don't know the story of the Bible. See, understanding the story of the Bible is just as important as understanding the stories in the Bible. The backstory, it opens up the story. You know, the way that you and I, we got our Bibles is not the way that we got the Bible. And we, we talked about specifically in the first couple of weeks that people laid down their lives to protect the eyewitness documents that they had. Many people back then, they couldn't read. And so uh, where we have, you know, a Bible at home or we have access to it 24-7 because of the internet and because of electronic devices, back then they didn't have that. They had to go to, you know, their church or they had have someone read it to them. They just didn't have copies laying around. They were willing to lay down their life for it. And so how we got the Bible is a lot different than, uh, than how we got our Bibles. So I want to start from week one and then kind of work our way through. So when we started this series, we didn't start in Genesis. We actually started in the New Testament. We started with four books, and both, uh, all four books point to Jesus. The documents documenting Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's where we started because we found out that without the resurrection, there would be no Bible. And so these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life his death and his resurrection, they were seen as valuable, reliable, sacred, and inspired. And even more so, these four documents were eventually viewed as scripture, the same level as the Jewish scriptures. And still, there was no Bible like we had today. All of, all of these documents, they were being copied by hand. They were being passed around church to church. They didn't have what we had so it was really important. And one of the biggest transitions that began to take place, well, you have those who are non-Jews. We call them Gentiles. And people who didn't have a Jewish background were becoming followers of Jesus. And they were captivated with this whole idea that the Jewish God, a God who wasn't their God, wanted a relationship with them through Jesus. I mean, they were a burden 
they were considered a burden uh, in their own in their own religion like gods looked at humanity as a burden but yet this this jewish god wanted a relationship with them it was so counterintuitive so it drew people to jesus and then last week we saw this that when non-jews they were captivated with a particular jew jesus I mean, they were captivated by a guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. And then they, were, they became interested in the Jewish scriptures because they told of Jesus' story. They weren't captivated by the Jewish religion. They were captivated by Jesus. Instead, they were wondering, how did y'all miss this? How did y'all miss that Jesus was this promised Messiah, this promised King? See, their interest in the Jewish text was very Christological. It was the study of Christ. They were looking back to say, hey, this points to Jesus, this points to Jesus. Everything seems to point to Jesus. How did they miss it? They were looking for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. So you go 100, 200 years after the resurrection, there still wasn't a Bible like we have today. Nothing was compiled. All they had together they had some some hebrew texts some copies of the hebrew texts then they had copies of the the eyewitness accounts of matthew mark luke and john then they had letters of a church planner that were distributed to local churches and that's what they had and that's what they viewed as very very important so we're going to do we're going to do this. We're going to go back 15 to 20 years after the resurrection to meet with this church planner who wrote all of these letters. And his name was Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. the Apostle Paul. And as, as you think of, uh, like, I don't know if you've ever done a bio on Twitter, but you have this bio of yourself, and it's so interesting. We kind of hype ourselves up a, a bit, right? But for, for Paul, we were, we were thinking, okay, his biopic would be professional Jew turned professional Christian. Someone who persecuted the church to someone that started churches, right? We, he kind of would hype himself up a bit, a bit, right? Here's what's so fascinating. This is what he writes about himself, how he would describe himself. He says this, for I am the least of all the apostles. Look, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I could use a little bit of that humility, right? And he says, in fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. It's partly a confession and it's partly an apology, See, Paul, he's important to the story of the Bible for three reasons. One, he wrote some of it. He wrote some of it. He wrote 13 letters that survived the persecution of the church. And look, when he was writing these letters to these churches, to these pastors, he wasn't expecting this to be on computers, on the internet. He had no idea that it would be compiled a few hundred years later into what we call the Bible. He had no idea. He was just writing to inspire people to follow Jesus. It's so fascinating that he was not expecting the letters that he was writing to inspire the churches he started to keep following Jesus that somehow would land in our laps. I had no idea. Second thing, he explains the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So remember, he had a high, high value of the Old Testament. Remember, he was this Pharisee. He was this expert at keeping the religious law. So he was an expert on it. So he valued it. He gave his life to follow it. So obviously he held it in high regard. He held it as God's word, the scriptures. But he explains that as non-Jews began to be part of this movement called Christianity, he begins to explain the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so he says this, uh, 
in 1 Corinthians, and he's pointing to this fact that we read the Old Testament primarily for inspiration. So this is what he writes to a local church. He says, these things happen, talking about the Old Testament, as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. He's talking about you and me, that when we look back at the Old Testament, it should be to inspire us primarily, to inspire us to, to look at their example and be like, we don't want to go down to that example. And the second thing about the relationship between the Old Testament and New is that we need to take our application primarily from Jesus' command. His command he sort of summed up the law as this, love others as I have loved you, or as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Look, notice what he writes to just these local churches. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That attitude was one of humility. He was willing to lay down his life for you and for me. He's, 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 he's inspiring us. Hey, follow Jesus on this by laying your life down. Follow him by being a humble person showing humility. Another example, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This idea of submission, it goes two ways. That means at times that I yield myself to my wife, and there's times where she yields herself to me. It's at times as a leader, I yield myself to other leaders in our church. It's this idea that you and I, we're supposed to submit. Why? Because Christ submitted to God's will, and we're supposed to do the same, especially in our relationships. And we do that out of respect for Jesus and his example for us. He also writes, he says, instead of being kind, oh man, this is so relevant for today, especially us being quarantined in the same house. He says, be kind to one another. (laughs) That's hard, especially being locked in in a house together. You feel like we can't escape. Uh, Tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then he lands the plane to another local church and he writes this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Jesus was fully God. He he had the Spirit. And so he gives us the Spirit as a gift as well. And now here's the coolest thing. We're supposed to follow his example by taking care of our body. He says, so you must honor God with your body. He says, you... Do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. You know, the the penalty for our sin was death, and Jesus was willing to pay that for you and for me. So the, the third thing that he does is that he authenticates the most important event recorded in it. And that event, everything hinges on that event. We wouldn't have church. We wouldn't have Christianity. We wouldn't have the Bible without that event. And that event was the resurrection of Jesus. It changed everything. It changed everything. Now, here's the deal. You have some critics. You have some, some people that would say, hey, this stuff is made up. And they begin to discredit. And maybe you walked into to college your first year and, man, you felt the, 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 the brunt of that. You, you felt your professors explaining that the Bible just isn't reliable. And some have said that the, the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written 50, 60, 70 years after the resurrection. And then they can't say who actually wrote those. For some people, the the theory is that Christians made up these accounts. Look, here's what Paul does, and this is why he's so important as he authenticates the resurrection. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church 
which no one's going to refute, no one's going to dispute. It is indisputable evidence that Jesus' resurrection was accepted as fact immediately, not eventually. Look, no one argues or disputes that the Apostle Paul was, an, uh, was, a, was a real person, nor will they dispute the fact that he wrote First and Second Corinthians. So there's a timeline right below your screen, right, right below me. And so we're going to start from, to you, go right to left. All right, it's like we're going to go backwards on the timeline. So the first year is 55 AD, and that is when he wrote 1 Corinthians. You go back three years, and we find out that's when he planted the Corinthian church. And then we go a couple years, and we go to 49, and that's when he had the second uh, of the two meetings that he had with the apostles. Then 38 was the first meeting that he had with the apostles in Jerusalem. Then he was converted in 35, and then we backtrack finally to the resurrection in 33. Look, in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says there were hundreds of people in Jerusalem who saw Jesus. Again, the belief in the resurrection was alive and well in Jerusalem early on, immediately, not eventually, immediately, not eventually. So notice what he writes. He writes this, let me now remind you Dear brothers and sisters, in case you forgot of the good news I preached to you before, you welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. We're going to know how, he, how this was all passed on to him and it was most likely passed down to him in a spoken creed. Notice, Christ died for our sins. He begins to explain it. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said, the Jewish scriptures. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And get this, most of them are still alive, though some have died. That's a, that's a key phrase that he put in there. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So he's saying, look, if you want to fact check me, there's still people alive in Jerusalem that saw Jesus. They were one of the 500 people at one time that saw the risen Jesus. And look, I can give you their name. I can maybe even give you their address. But look, those people are still alive today. He's saying, look, the impact of the resurrection was felt immediately, not eventually. It was talked about. It was written about immediately, not eventually. See, scholars are convinced that Paul is reciting a pre-existing creed, which is a craftly, uh, carefully crafted statement used to ensure accurate transmission of belief. And so this is how it went, that Christ died for our sin and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Let's say it again. Christ died for our sin and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. That was huge. It was just like the Old Testament. Before Moses began to write the five books, of the, of the, the first five books, we call it the Torah of the Old Testament, it was spoken. It was a spoken tradition. It was storytelling. And this creed acted very similar to that. They would talk about it. Remember, people couldn't read uh, that well back then. And so they're, what? Yeah, they're rehearsing this creed. They're, they're saying the creed. And it's accurate transmission of what happened. 
that Christ died for our sin and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. So let's recap. Three things that Paul did for the Bible. One, he wrote some of it. Two, he explains the relationship between the Old Testament and New Testament. And then finally, he authenticates the most important event recorded in it, which was the resurrection. See, in the years that followed, the other documents began to be part of the circulation. Uh, A letter from James, letters from John, letters from Peter, and then whoever wrote Hebrews, it, it all got in the circulation. And then in the fourth century, when it was safe to work in the open on religious stuff, and believe it or not, the state that persecuted them now began to fund the work. The first Bible was assembled, and that Bible was called the Ta Biblia, which is the Bible. And it shaped Western civilization, and it shapes your life, my life, as we read it each and every day. See, the Bible didn't create Christianity. It it tells the story of Christ and his movement called Christianity. See, Christianity is the result of the resurrection, just like the Bible is the result of the resurrection. Look, if there had been no resurrection, there would be no story to tell. There would be no story worth telling. But Jesus' story is worth telling because it's a story for every generation Every generation can be impacted by what Jesus has done. It's a story that's been told for almost 2,000 years. It's a story that has a personal implication for you and for me. See, the story of the Bible reminds, reminds us that the most important question is not, are you at peace with everything in the Bible? The question should be asked, Have you found peace with God who so loved the world that he gave his son for you? That's the question that our faith hinges on. Not are you at peace with everything in the Bible, but have you found peace with God who so loved the world that he gave his son for you? So as we land the plane, and maybe for you, this is the first time you've heard something like this. We would love our host to walk with you through what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, We're prepared to help you take that step. Look, our mission is to help people to follow Jesus, to inspire people to follow Jesus. And we want you to follow Jesus because we believe that Jesus is better and because he's better, he makes you better and he makes us better at life. Maybe you've been a Christian, I don't know how long, but however long you've been a Christian. I'm praying that you would allow the Bible to impact your life. That you would not only read it, but you would apply it. That's how we become a transformed follower of Jesus. Is when we allow the information and we add some application, it leads to, to transformation. And that's what God wants from you and what he wants from me, is that we would live a transformed life. So you read it and then you apply it. So hopefully that has given you giving you an appetite to kind of get back into reading the Bible on a regular basis. I mean, let me pray for us, and and we're going to jump right into um, beyond the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you. I think right now, of all the people, as these letters are being circulated, how many people are willing to, to lay down their life so that we could have it? 
God, thank you for their sacrifice. And Father, I'm asking for right now for the courage for someone to make a decision to follow Jesus. You would give them the courage, you would give them the faith to place their faith and trust in Jesus. And then I ask for those who are followers of Jesus and they, they have allowed their Bibles to get dusty or they've uh, kind of forgot that they had the Bible app on their phone. Father, I'm asking that you would allow that, um, allow this whole series to help them realize just how important it is to read the Bible because it does lead to us having a transformed life. So Father, Help us to get to that point where we're willing to make the Bible a priority in our life. God, thank you for, for preserving your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you. I'll see you in a bit.